0: It's the JT The Brick Show.
1: 39-yard field goal for Carlson, set up on the right hash. Good snap, solid hold. Field goal is up, and that is good.
0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio.
1: Crowd into it. Wilson lifts the right leg,
2: gets the ball. They bring the blitz off the edge, and they got to him. Nate Hobbs coming around the
0: left side. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years.
2: Open Adams at the 35. Racing to the 20, 10, touchdown Raiders!
0: And now, here's JT the Brick.
2: JT, as we continue here on a getaway Friday on Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m., what does getaway Friday mean? Me and Bobby came in a little early today, put some content together on a Friday. It's kind of our last day of summertime radio, so we're moving all over the place. We have some content from the summer. We have some fresh content. We have a little bit of my podcast on summer blockbuster movies. Kind of put a show together here so I could roll and get out on a little bit of a trip and have a little bit of a longer weekend and then come back on Tuesday and do what we do. We'll debut our brand new show with our brand new partners and advertisers. And man, are we jumping in big as all of our insiders are back. All of them from last year. We have them sprinkled in on a two-week rotation Uh, We're going to have a lot of news. We're going to have a couple of interesting news segments here sponsored by some of our new partners here. We're going to be out on the road. we got a couple of big live appearances coming up uh, just here in the month of September. Two big remotes that we'll tell you about. And then we'll jump into my enhanced schedule with the Raiders on Monday. It'll be Raiders press conference live. Uh, That will be Josh McDaniel's press conference that he does live. And then Eric Allen and I. We'll go on Fox 5 on television for a half-hour TV show. That's every Monday, so that's a big deal. I'll stay at the facility, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and then host the show. We'll have a little help from Harry Ruiz from time to time on Monday. He's also a regular. He'll help me at times if the press conference goes a little bit earlier late. Uh, jumping in on Tuesday, Raiders Roundtable. Uh, we'll do that every Tuesday, also from the facility. And we'll do that. Uh, That'll put me in the building. And then on Thursday, my exclusive interview with Josh McDaniels, which I'm really looking forward to because we're going to take it from the studio, the TV set, we're going to move it into the podcast room. And the podcast room is technically a TV set, too. We have all the cameras there. We'll film that, and that will air on the Silver and Black show. It'll air on this show, and it'll live alone on YouTube, and, of course, all the Raiders streaming devices. And then Sunday, pre- and post-game show, it'll start with Eric Allen, uh, early we'll be live from the torch for the home games when the Raiders are on the road we'll be back in the podcast studio with some nice elements to that too a little bit different this year when the Raiders are on the road and then I'll do the post-game show from the Modello Lounge on Sundays and then Sunday night I debut for the 27th year my Sunday night show that'll be on Sirius XM from 8 to 11 p.m. ouch Yes, ouch, but I will do that, and that will prep me all up to get ready for Monday and do it all over again. So that's right around the corner. A lot of big things happened this week. Josh Jacobs spoke to the media. We're going to play a portion of that. He had about a 10-minute conversation on a conference call. I want to play about six or seven minutes of it. I thought the questions were great. I thought it was very timely. We didn't have an opportunity to discuss that on this show. We'll do that here in a little bit. But uh, next week, I do my Super Bowl preview show. And a little backstory on that. Every year, I pick the winner of the Super Bowl before the season starts. I don't need a medal for that or a juice box or a pat on the back, but I do it differently. I give the picks before the start of the season, and then we see what stands up at the end of the year. And the last two years, I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl. In the last decade or so, I got a Patriots Super Bowl right. I got Russell Wilson a Super Bowl right in Seattle, and I got the Peyton Manning Super Bowl right right when Peyton Manning was injured. Remember his last Super Bowl? I predicted that one. So I've gotten a few of these right, and it's not easy to do. Most of the time, you're wrong. And I'm not going to pick Kansas City, as you know. I'm not going to do that. And a little disclaimer here, I'm not going to pick the Raiders to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs. Too involved with the team, employee of the team, I just don't do that. And I hope you can respect that. I'm not going to sit here and give the Raiders record prediction I interview a lot of people who do that. We have the Vegas Sharps here. Roughly, I think the Raiders are an eight, nine win team, 10 win team if they really pull things together. Could they go 11 and 12 if it's a just fascinating year? Of course, but I'm not into that. They're going to win six games, five or four. I think you understand that. So give me a little bit of wiggle room on that one as I take a look and I want to go through, excuse me, some of these predictions here. And then next week, I'll make it official. Next week, I'm going to make it official. So I'm going to start with the NFC because I think the NFC is a little bit easier to do. And remember that Philadelphia, as you know, went to the Super Bowl last year, and they won. So we have seven playoff teams. We have the four division winners, and we have three wild card teams. They added a wild card team a few years back, and I think that's good because it keeps you know the six and seven and eight nine ten seed alive coming down to the last uh, couple of weeks of the season. I think the NFL did a pretty good job with that. So I'll start off with the NFC first in the NFC East. Last year, there were three playoff teams. And even the Washington Commanders who came in last were 8-8-1. Eight, 8-8-1. Eight, and, eight, eight, and, and they were the last place team there, and they won eight games. So the Eagles won the East with a 14-3 record. The Cowboys came in second with a 12-5 record. They were 8-1 and one at home. And the New York Giants were 9-7-1, and, and they made the playoffs as a wild card. So let's start in the NFC East. My big, bold prediction is Dallas is going to win the East. I'm going to give Dallas the advantage over the Philadelphia Eagles just because I think the Eagles' schedule is too difficult. Now, you might say, well, it's got to be similar to the Cowboys. They play in the same division. It is. But the way the games are spread out for the Eagles is just flat-out brutal. Uh, Let me give you an example of the Eagles' schedule coming up this year. They open up at the Patriots. They should win that game. They're better than the Patriots. Good luck preparing for Bill Belichick when he had a month. When he had a month to prepare for you. So when you take a look at the schedule here and you look at this, then they have the Vikings at home, at the Buccaneers. I think Baker Mayfield's going to do well, the Commanders. They're at the Rams. They're at the Jets. But listen to this November schedule. November 5th, they play the Cowboys at home. November 20th, so on a short week, you know, they got, so they're going to play that game on the 5th, and then they're not going to play till the 20th. They're going to play at the Chiefs. So Cowboys buy into the Chiefs, then the Bills at home, and then the 49ers at home, then at the Cowboys and at the Seahawks. And that takes us into mid-December. So, again, let's just concentrate on the Eagles in November. Cowboys at Chiefs, Bills at 49ers December 3rd that is by far the toughest schedule in all the NFL when in that month and past that month right into early December and I think that it's going to come down to seeing the Cowboys with a little bit of an easier schedule as I dived into that you know the Cowboys play at the Giants and the Jets the first two weeks but then at the Cardinals the Patriots at home uh, they have a tough stretch at the Niners at the Chargers but they have the Rams At the Panthers, the Commanders, you know, they got some tough games, the Lions and the Commanders down the stretch. I think the schedules are similar, but I'm going to give the Dallas Cowboys the win, and I have the Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC East, which puts the Eagles in a wild card. Okay, so I got two of the seven playoff teams there. I want to include the Giants. I'd like to see the Giants do well. They were 1-4-1 in the division last year, and a lot of teams... Didn't see the Giants coming. So I got the Eagles and the Cowboys. In the north, the Minnesota Vikings were 13-4. They won the division by four games over the Lions. Uh, The Packers were 8-9 and and the Bears were 3-14. I think the Bears are going to be improved with Justin Fields and the moves they made. They were 1-7 on the road. Bears are going to be better. Uh, Packers are not going to be better. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. Raiders play the Packers. Uh, Jordan Love could play well this year, but I think they're going to have some games where he loses late. Uh, Detroit I'm going to put in the playoffs this year. Okay, I'm going to put them in the playoffs. They came in close last year, but I don't think they'll win the division. I got too much respect for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings roster there at 13-4. and four. So I think Minnesota will win 11 games and Detroit will win 10. And I got both the Vikings and Detroit in. So I got four teams out of seven already. In the NFC South, the team needs to win. I'm going to go with Derek Carr and the Saints. They were 7-10 and 10 last year. Every team in the NFC South was under 500. The winner who made the playoffs was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 8-9. and nine. So the only team I have in the playoffs in the NFC South will be New Orleans, and I think they'll win the division, which means they'll get a home playoff game. I don't think they're a great team. They were 4-5 and five at home and 3-5 and five on the road last year, but I think they're head and shoulders better than everybody in the South. And then we get to the NFC West. So I got five teams. I need two more to come in. The Niners easily in the NFC West, 13-4 and four last year. They've had a lot of chaos here in the offseason. The Trey Lance trade was a big storyline, a really big storyline. And I think they're not going to win 13 games. Their schedule is roughly easier because they got Arizona in the division, the Rams, who are 5-12, and 12, and I don't think a lot better. And the Seahawks were 9-8 and eight last year, all when Geno snuck up on everybody and they made the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the 49ers making the playoffs in the NFC West. So I got the Niners. I got New Orleans. I got the Vikings and Detroit. And I got the Eagles and the Cowboys. So I need one more playoff team, and that's either going to be the Giants. I got to find someone, maybe Carolina, Seattle. I'm trying to find the final playoff team. I think the Giants have the best roster of those teams. I really do. I think the Giants are the team that probably could do the best there, but for the wild card team, it's going to come down between Seattle and Carolina for me. And there's just part of me that thinks Carolina with a rookie quarterback that no one's seen the number one pick overall. They were seven and 10 last year, five and four at home, two and six on the road. I'm going to give Carolina the edge over Seattle because of the quarterback. But, Seattle made the playoffs last year, and usually a team that makes the playoffs or two don't. So I'll have Seattle out, and I'm going to put Carolina in. So those are my NFC predictions. Again, I'm not going to make my Super Bowl pick for next week. Now we go to the AFC, the American Football Conference. And if we look at how that played out last year in the playoffs and who made the playoffs, uh, last year it was wild because it was Kansas City the one seed, Buffalo the two, Cincinnati the three, Jacksonville four, Chargers 5, Baltimore 6, Miami 7, and then right outside was Pittsburgh, New England, the Jets, and the Raiders. With the Raiders kind of collapse at the end of the year as they were in it, they just went all the way to 13th. So I'm going to leave the Raiders out here. I'm not going to put the Raiders in the playoffs. I'm not going to say they're not going to get in. Okay, that's just what I do. It's my rule on the show here. I roughly think the Raiders are an 8 or 9 win team, which is a good thing. Coming from 6 wins, but I want them to make the playoffs. So here's what I got. I, I got Buffalo, who I picked to win. Last year, I have Buffalo in the playoffs, but I don't have them with the number one seed overall. I have Cincinnati in the playoffs, 12-4, and four, but I don't have them as the number one seed at all. I'm going to go with Kansas City again. Kansas City was 14-3. and three. Kansas City continues to lose players every year, and they reload, and they get back. And with Patrick Mahomes only getting better, Kelsey not hitting the wall with his age, I think Kansas City is going to be pushed by the Chargers, hopefully the Raiders, but I have Kansas City in the playoffs. So nothing's changed in the top three. Chiefs, I'll go Cincinnati the two seed, Buffalo the three seed, and then I'm going to pick, predict Jacksonville to win their division again. I think Jacksonville will win their division because I think their division is set for them to win for quite some time with their personnel. They were 9-8 and eight last year. The Titans, the closest team, two games behind at 7-10. and 10. I don't like the Titans this year. They had a minus 61 differential last year. The Colts were minus 138. That's points given up to points scored. Minus 138 and Houston minus 131. The Texans and the Colts still stink. The Titans, we don't know. Tannehill's playing for his future and his life because he's going to get benched if they play poorly. So I think Jacksonville will win that division again. And then when it comes down to the wild cards, that's the decision I have to make. I think Miami, who's on the Raiders' schedule this year, is a wild card team. I really like Miami's personnel on offense. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa at quarterback's got to stay healthy. We all know what happened to him last year. We all know what happened. And he was concussed a lot. I'm praying and hoping that he doesn't have violent hits like that. So he's laying on his back and his hands are shaking. That was hard to see. So I'm going to put Miami... Also in there as a playoff team, as a wild card team. And then the Chargers. I know Raider fans are going to hate me for saying this, but you know I have the Chargers as a wild card team. The Chargers have one of the best rosters on offense and defense in all of football. All of football. So uh, the Ravens are my X factor. That's a team that the Raiders don't play this year. And I think that the Raiders, if they want to knock off a team to get in, obviously the Chargers, the good news would be if the Raiders play great and above expectations, they can knock off the Chargers because I don't think the Chargers are going to win 11 or 12 games. I think the Chargers were 10-7 and last year. You ask anyone around the NFL, I mean anybody, they got the Chargers winning more than 10 games. I think they're a 10-win team. I think Jacksonville, a 9-8 and team, is going to win 11 games. I think Jacksonville is going to make that leap. I got to wait and see the health of Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow had 12 wins last year. He's going to try to play in this first game. Uh, The Bills were 13-3. I think they'll stay around 13-3. But what happens if the Jets are really good? And that leaves me the Jets. So with the Ravens, who a lot of people think are good with Odell Beckham Jr. and Lamar Jackson back, I think Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, to me, as that final wild card team is a safe pick. But that's another team that the Raiders play. And I want the Raiders to win. You see the problem I'm having here with the Raiders? i got to pick the Raiders. I want the Raiders in the playoffs, but I think the Chargers are going to be a playoff team. They play the Raiders. I think the Dolphins are a playoff team. They play the Raiders. I think the Jets, probably my last wild card team, are a playoff team. They play the Raiders. Kansas City is in that division, and Kansas City plays the Raiders twice, along with the Chargers. So the Raiders have their own destiny in front of them. So from last year... With the Steelers on the outside looking in, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Jets. I would take the Ravens out and put the Jets in. Those would be the playoff teams there. Now, I don't have, I got a couple of days to stall on my Super Bowl pick. And who will be that Super Bowl pick? We'll see. Uh, my gut tells me Kansas City is going to be tough to knock off. I don't want to see Kansas City in the Sea of Red at Allegiant Stadium again. I don't want to see Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I haven't been picking Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, and they have been going to the Super Bowl and won two recently. So will this be the year I pick Kansas City? No. I will not pick the Bills again because I picked them twice back-to-back years, and they burned me. Can I pick Jacksonville as a Super Bowl team? Why not? Jacksonville's very good. They are very good. they got a good coach, a really good quarterback, and they're loaded on offense, and they got some very good players on defense, but I won't go there. Uh, The Chargers Super Bowl team. Chargers are going to be in the Super Bowl hunt one of these years, everybody, I hate to tell you. Justin Herbert's going to go to a Super Bowl at some point down the road if the Raiders don't knock his ass in the dirt. And they have a window with Derwin James and a couple of the players, Austin Eckler, and they have there. And Baltimore, I think they're always good. They're always going to be around there. Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots. No, I don't have them there, but the Raiders play the Patriots and the Steelers here. So Raider fans, to make a long story short, before we get to this Josh Jacobs conversation that he had on the conference call, it's going to be hard because I'm picking all these teams to go back to the playoffs and the Raiders play most of them. So if the Raiders want to get in, they're going to have to shock the world in some of these games. And with Jimmy Garoppolo healthy, Max Crosby healthy with Tyree Wilson, and improved secondary. The Raiders are going to have what we say in Las Vegas is a puncher's chance. A puncher's chance, but they better land some jabs, they better land some body blows, and they better have a couple of knockout punches throughout the year if they want to compete for the postseason. All right, so Josh Jacobs... On Wednesday, spoke to the media. Just a portion of this. I thought some of the questions were good, coming right down to the end with his relationship with the Raiders. Here was Josh Jacobs' conference call.
1: Josh, uh, Derek Henry uh, helped you that that uh, our, uh, running back group text. Just how how did he guide you along in the process? And just as a as a fellow running back, what do you take away just from his his uh, running skills too? Uh, I mean, I don't feel like he really guided me. Uh, just to be honest, um, you know, I kind of already had my, you know, understanding of of what it is and and what it wasn't and how everything was going. Um, but I also understood uh, my value. Um, and that was just the the main thing for me was just sticking to, you know, believing in myself and and things like that. Um, but man, just Derek, man, just since the day I met him, you know, even in college when he used to come back and, and train. I um, mean, you know, you hear all these stories about him at Bama. You know, after having big games, he used to go in and, you know, squat and stuff after the games and stuff like that. Like, he always just, you know, was a was a different breed of uh, of a player. And um, just to see how he is now, man, still, you know, sustaining his success and, um, you know, going out there and, you know, being a guy really for his team uh, for this long. I mean, it's just it's just something that you know I want to do, you know, here with the Raiders, just to be able to be the guy and um, sustain it for a long period of time. Uh, Josh, what what do you think was the most difficult time uh, for you being away? Was it just being away on a daily basis from the team, or what 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 hurt the most in terms of being difficult of staying away? Uh, really, man. Honestly, if I'm to be honest, man, I don't think staying away was like. Only thing that's bad, obviously, is you wanna you wanna grind with your guys. You know, especially knowing that it's a lot of new guys coming in. You know, you want the guys to you know uh, know who you are and um, respect what you do, respect your work. Um, and that was just the biggest thing you know of not being able to have that camaraderie. um but I wouldn't say that it was just all negative, you know uh, being at home allowed me to you know spend a lot more time with my kids and um you know help my dad you know uh, do his diet plans and get in shape and things like that so I mean, it was pros and cons on both sides, but at the end of the day, you know, I want to play football. I wanted to be here with the guys, and um, so I'm just glad it worked out. Hey, Josh, you talked about it. You know, you were itching to get back. How did it feel to, to get out there and kind of scratch that itch today? And and, and how do yeah. you feel physically in terms of just what what do you think the plan is for you ramping up and getting ready for that opener? What, how many carries do you want? And how many carries do you think you could touches you could get in that opener? No, physically, I ain't missing steps, so I, I I can I definitely can say that. Uh, the biggest thing that for me really was coming back and um, mentally. You know, just with the playbook and everything, with the new plays and all of that, I didn't want to be behind. Um, But when I came in, man, today, I didn't have no errors. So, I mean, I came in today and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I remember this. Uh, So, that was just about stacking days. So, to me, man, I mean, we came up with a, you know, workout plan to do uh, over the course of why I wasn't here. I mean, when I wasn't here and stuff like that. And, um I mean, I came, I came in, and it didn't, it didn't feel like I missed it still. Hey, Josh, I, I wanted to ask you about how you spent your time away, and then especially I remember last year you uh,
0: credited a, l- a lot of uh, how well the season went to, to your off-season program and kind of switching up some things.
1: Uh, did, did you do it similarly this year, M- make some differences? What was that like? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, ever since last year, I, I, I found that what worked for me last year. Uh, so it made this year a lot easier, honestly. Um, you know, I still have a full-time shift, and, all of that type of things. Um, you know, just like I said, we came up with a workout plan and I just stuck to it. I mean, it was easier too, honestly, because I was just working out at home, you know, with the high school guys uh, back at my old high school and, you know, just being able to mentor them and be around them and, uh, you know, show them how, what it takes, you know what I'm saying, to get to the next level. I think that was just, it was just a fun experience, honestly. Josh, I know you had a a similar situation last year where you were kind of going into a a one-year situation and then expecting to enter free agency after. What did you learn from last season just in terms of compartmentalizing and kind of of putting the future aside and just focusing on the present and and, and the job at hand? I mean, you hear it all the time, but, like, literally you just bet on yourself, man. I feel like, man, I say it all the time, but I, I truly believe in it. You just come in and, you know, you work. And you you do what you're supposed to every day and work every day and everything else to take care of yourself, yeah. however it plays out, you know what I'm saying? So that's just what I believe, man. I mean, come in and work every day and everything else to take care of yourself. Josh, after a career season for you, one of the best in Raider history, what's coming up for the Encore, man? I mean, it seemed like you had a chip on your shoulder last year. Is it still there for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, at the end of the year, I feel like it was a lot that I still left on the field. I know that's kind of hard to say with the, with the year I had, but – It was a lot I definitely left on the field and I mean just, just to come back and see, you know, the old line another year in the system and seeing how much of an improvement they have. Uh, have made since I came back, man, it's been crazy. It just got me re honestly. Josh, uh, I think in professional sports, one way or another, you're going to learn that this is a business, right? And uh, players have to go through that all the time. How do you kind of separate, you know, the, the business from, from the professional and, and the personal? And you feel like the Raiders did an okay job uh, in making this all kind of about business and understanding that there were no hard feelings or anything like that involved in the negotiations. I mean... We here. I mean, I feel like, you know, we made it happen. So it ain't no hard feelings now. I mean, I feel like, like I said, we made it happen. So it's a clean slate with me. It was never like really just like, you know, no hate on each side. I understood it. But at the same time, I understood my value too. So it was just about meeting in the middle. Josh, I know uh, one of the things you've talked about and other running backs have talked about is just the, the position in general and finding better ways to get compensated and compensated fairly and more early in their career. I mean, is that something that you're still gonna work on and what do you think can possibly be done? Yeah, man, I mean, I understand the position in the market like and, and things like that, but you know, everybody is I don't feel like everybody is is, you know, included in that in that category. I mean, I feel like it's five guys that's like the guys for their teams and that you gotta like, you know, uh figure it out. Figure it out for, you know, both parties. And um so for me, man, it's just about Coming in, you know, making plays and showing the versatility and showing that what I bring to the team. And, um, you know, allowing allowing the, the community and, you know, the team to see that and just hoping for the best, really. Uh, Josh, we spoke with Samir and with Brandon. They said that they kept in touch with you, you with them. Uh, but what about the new guys on the team? What have you seen from them? Uh, there's a lot of weapons that uh, the ball's going to be shared with, with you and with them. What do you think about them? Yeah, man, so I, I kept in contact with a lot of the guys. Uh, You know, we in group chats and all of them things, so that wasn't that bad. Um, But, you know, seeing a lot of the new guys, uh, even since the draft, you know, I was watching some of the guys even coming out um, from college, just watching their highlights and, you know, watching the preseason games and um, seeing, you know, a lot of these guys come in. They got a lot of talent. And um, I was just like, man, I couldn't wait to get in and, you know, be able to see it for myself, um, be able to see, you know, the work ethic, let them uh, see my work ethic and try to put it together. Last one, Vinny, last question. Josh, I know that that's going to take time, um, you know, uh, but but from afar, where, from your vantage point, seeing some of the moves that the Raiders made, uh, not just offensively, but defensively, the, through yeah. the draft and free agency, um, uh, what did you like about what they did? And, and you know, in, at first glimpse today, uh, uh, did you see some differences uh, between this year and last year? Uh, yeah, man, we got a lot faster. i definitely seen that. Uh, we definitely got a lot faster. Uh, we got a lot of guys that, you know, love the game. Uh, I and mean, you we have a lot of guys with with high IQs. Um and that's just the first thing I've noticed. Um I I think I seen F make a play today. I was like, damn, he, he got from one side of the field to the other, and, you know, made a play that we thought was a touchdown. So I mean just to be able to see that and you know, obviously, you know, Max being uh the leader that he is on that defense to see him take a take another lead. I mean it's it's just been crazy to me. Uh it, it's got me really is um excited for the season.
2: So you just hear Josh there, no hard feelings, excited? Ready to roll, and they're going to be working him in over Labor Day here and have him ready to go next week for Denver when we break into our Denver Broncos coverage. All right, so that's part of the show so far. Also last night, uh, the big state of the team. We'll get to some of that with my questions to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels as we continue. Uh, Heading into Labor Day weekend, we thank our friends at the M Resort Spawn Casino. They're back with me for another year, the official hotel of the Silver and Black, the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Great place for snacks, for great meals, food, full menu, full bar. Uh, you can find us there all the time throughout the course of the year. we got some exciting events coming up. The official team hotel of the Silver and Black, the M Resort, as we continue on Friday. This is Raider Nation Radio. Brought to you by P.T.'s, the best happy island town. Why? They have two, 5 to 7 p.m., midnight to 2 a.m. Half-price drinks, 64 locations here throughout the valley. P.T.'s fuels the monologue as I wish you a happy Labor Day and hope you have a great long holiday weekend. My sons were at that ASU game last night postponed because of that dust storm. Did you see that? My wife and I were up late last night. Uh, making sure they were safe and good, which they were. But crazy night at ASU. If you didn't see the highlights, didn't see what happened there. They're in the middle of a game. Then all of a sudden, one of those haboob comes in. Next thing you know, it's a windstorm, dust storm. They postponed the game. Those My sons got back to my youngest son's apartment, and all was good. But a crazy night last night in college football, as college football is underway, and we'll dive into that also when we come back with our programming on Tuesday. Really exciting night for me last night as I MC'd the state of the team. I've done that before, and it was so fun last night, and such a good crowd, over 250 live. All of our great season ticket holders, the fans, the diehard fans of the Raider Nation who are our PSL holders. They were invited to come to the event. A lot of partners were there, and I had a chance to interview the president of the Raiders, Sandra Douglas Morgan, along with the head coach, Josh McDaniels, and Dave Ziegler. So that happened last night. My wife was there, a bunch of friends, a bunch of listeners. Really cool event, and the Raiders do such an amazing job at Silver and Black Productions to put together all these videos. So I would ask questions to the coach and the GM, and then we throw to a four or five, six minute video of training camp, the draft process. So good, and I can't wait for you to see that. They're going to turn it into a television show, and they're going to have it up and streaming at Raiders.com. So a fun night last night over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So Bobby and I wanted to get this to you. So again, before we play it, this is exclusive content from last night without the video, because we're radio. Some radio shows play video, and it doesn't work. We're not going to do it. So we're going to jump in and out of my conversation last night with the head coach, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. This is the state of the team. First, how you guys doing? You've been really busy. I'll start with you, coach.
3: I just got out of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're doing good. Um, you know, this the last month is um, very busy, obviously getting the team ready to go, but also uh, trying to figure out what the right group of guys to keep is. and. Those decisions are never easy. Uh, Dave and his group did a tremendous job of kind of, you know, making sure we're on top of every nook and cranny we needed to be. And um, the last couple of days have been, you know, busy, tough, busy, tough. Um, but uh, we feel like we got a good group that's ready to take a couple of days here to catch their breath, and then we're going to get ready for Denver.
2: Dave, I want to start with you also. What's it been like? You've been nonstop the last week or two since I've seen you in Dallas.
0: Yeah um so it's a uh, it's an exciting part of the year it's a fun part of the year too and and like Josh said, there is there's a lot of tough decisions that you have to make this time of year. There's a lot of guys that, you know, started with us at end of July and we we're at you know, ninety ninety guys that worked their tails off for us, did everything that we asked to do, and you know, you have to make some tough decisions at the end and along with monitoring everything that's going on in the league and every other roster in the league and, and what players maybe may come available that you know that you may have interest in and whether that's on the active or the practice squad. So there's a thousand moving parts this time of year, but
2: um and it's a it's an exciting time. Coach, you gotta be happy. Josh Jacobs is back. Yep. Take us through that. <laughs> I, I, uh,
3: uh, I'm more happy than they are, so <laughs> that'll tell you how happy I am. Um, no, he's uh, look, Dave and, and and Tom and and uh, you know, Josh's his representatives did a great job of eventually getting that figured out and Again, it, it's—I've uh, said the same thing the entire spring into the summer. Um, I love the player and I love the person, and he's come back ready to go, uh, which I figured he would. Um, jumped right back in, and you just see the impact that he makes right away. Um, it's just different, you know. He's uh, the the best back that I've been around, um, and I've been coaching for 23 years, so. Yeah. He's a special player, he's a special guy. Um, He has a special impact on our team when he's here. And uh, he was just named a captain today. So it didn't didn't take him very long. It didn't take take him long to figure out uh, who who the leaders are. So we we have nine great ones, um, which is a high number, but that's the team votes for it. And uh, JJ is is certainly deserving.
2: Dave, you had, you had a lot of confidence in getting this deal done, and great to see the relationship so strong with Josh.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, uh, the, these, uh, these situations are always tough because there's a mixture. You want to keep it business, but there's a personal side to it, too. And, and so, um, you know, those, and, and there's a lot of competing interests. Uh, you know, the player wants to get the best deal for himself, and so does the agent. We want to get a fair deal for the club, and, and, and we also want the player to feel good about the deal. And so, yeah, you know, through all the ups and downs, at the end of the day, was, was pretty confident that, you know, once it, um, once it came time to needing to get the deal done, that we would get it done, and uh, all the parties worked together, and that's what we did.
2: Let's talk about the initial characteristics and values you look forward to in a player when you meet them for the first time.
3: Yep, uh, tough, smart mature um, they all have talent you know that's got to be a prerequisite if they don't have enough talent then they wouldn't even bring them you know to the to the board so um, but we'd like to build a tough smart mature football team uh, that understands how to win um, can process information is willing to communicate with one another Um, we just believe that that's how you win there's a lot of close games that we play Uh, everybody in the national football league plays close games That's how this this season will be defined, ultimately, uh, who does best in those games under pressure and uh, the kind of people that we're looking for to to help us win those games. Uh, They're going to be tough, smart, and mature. Dave, you like
2: language with the staff and your staff, and you guys go back a long way. What is that like as you try to ultimately come to an agreement on how you're going to make any decision going forward?
0: Yeah, I mean, it starts first with just great communication and and having an open dialogue, uh, being able to communicate with low ego, and, and, and keep an open mind and an open ear and taking all the information. And then, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, Josh and I, you know, sit down and, 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 and get to take all in that all that information and um, come to an agreement on, on where we think the player's value is with the help of, you know, our scouting staff, our college director, Champ Kelly, our assistant GM and a lot of other, you know, a lot of other people help out in that process. And so just all, at the end of the day, it's about open communication, low ego and, and doing the
2: work. Coach, first impressions. Maybe tell me a story or how important that is when you sit down and you talk to a player for the first time.
3: Yeah, they're, uh, you know, they they're on best behavior. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're trying to make an impression on you. Uh, there's no question about that. And so, for us, what we try to do, and and, and Dave and the scouting staff put together a good, um, you know, a good plan for each player. Each mm-hmm. player is different. You know, so. You can't talk to Tyree Wilson and ask him the same questions that you would ask Michael Mayer. It's just, they're different, you know? And so uh, their, their preparation for us and what we need to kind of dig on, um, how we need to try to, you know, get the player to open up so we can see his real personality, uh, not just what he wants us to see, uh, is really part of the, the equation there. Um, and so we're, you know, it's not easy. There's some tough, you know, those combine interviews are not easy. Um, we try to put a little pressure on them, um, you know, dig at them a little bit, you know, ask them some things that might make them a little bit uncomfortable that are, that are within the, the boundaries of what we want to try to find out and, um, you know, and, and see what they do and how they respond. So we try to use each opportunity uh, to gather information that will help us make great decisions.
2: Take us through the evaluation process and pulling the trigger on this quarterback.
0: <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, we obviously had some prior experience with Jimmy uh, when he was a young player in New England. And so we knew some of, some of what the DNA, uh, the, the DNA of Jimmy was, his competitive spirit, his drive, his ability to lead, and which are all, you know, super important um, characteristics of, of a successful quarterback. And, you know, we, he was obviously in a different system um, for, for some time. So, we, you know, we were able to see how he grew as a player. Um, see how he grew as a decision maker, and, and, and all the skill sets that go along with being a quarterback. And so as we started to evaluate the quarterback position on um, this offseason, obviously it, it made a lot of sense you know, from the beginning, from our prior experience to him and, and, and what we believe he brings to a team. And so you know, for us, it didn't, it didn't take much to decide to, to, to pull the trigger once we went through that process.
2: Coach, obviously you have a pass with him. What's changed since the first time you worked with him?
3: He's got some gray hair now. Yeah. <laughs> it's silver and black. Um, he, uh, You know, he's had a lot of experiences now uh, in the National Football League that he didn't have, you know, when I was when I was with him previous. Um, you know, he's played in a lot of big games, um, spent in some NFC Championship games, took a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, he's also played with a number of really good football players. And so we, we just felt like he had... Uh, some wisdom and some maturity that he's gained on his own uh, that would add to the skill set that he has and the authenticity that he spoke of um, his leadership, his toughness. Uh, all of that is is real. And so, uh, just just being able to see how he's changed for the good. Uh, he has opinions now that he probably didn't have when he was 24 years old. Um, you know, but they're they're good thoughts and. He understands how to lead a group of men. And uh, he's, he's created relationships already across the football team, mm-hmm. offense, defense, special teams. Um, you know, and that's what it takes to be a, a really good quarterback in this league. Coach, I want to stay on that because I'm not surprised by it.
2: So many players and coaches around the league like him, they just speak so highly of him. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I think Raider Nation is kind of getting used to that, all the compliments that are coming from around the league.
3: Yeah, I think he's. He's real. Yeah. You know, he's real. Jimmy G is real. That's the reality. Um, and he's a good football player. Uh, let's just, you know, this isn't just about a guy that Dave and I had some experience with. Uh, this is a guy that is a good quarterback that's played some really, uh, good football, uh, in pressure situations during the, during the course of his career, uh, that has led him to this moment. And he wants to be the leader of our football team. And he was also voted a captain today. So nice. Dave, what
2: surprised you most about Jimmy since he's arrived in Las Vegas? Yeah, not,
0: not too much really has, I would say, has surprised me about Jimmy. Um, like I said, we, we, you know, he still has the same, you know, competitive drive. Um, he still has a way to connect to people that we that we saw um, in New England when he was a young player, and 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 on the field, still has a quick release. He's still accurate. You know, he can he can still make a lot of throws. And so, it was really just a confirmation of a lot of the things that we had seen and known. And um, we're just excited to have him.
2: All right, Dave. There's a lot of media attention building up throughout that time. How did you and your staff stay focused through all that?
0: Yeah, it's it's um, you know it's it's one of those times where you have to stay true to what you believe in and we always talked have always talked about ignoring the noise and and focusing in on what the what we can tr- control control the controllables and so you know during that time we're so honed in on um, what we're trying to do building the board interviewing prospects um, getting an idea of who the player is from a skill set standpoint and, and how they're gonna fit the team from a, um, a personality standpoint that you know, we don't have time to really worry about anything else or um, let anything else distract us. We, just, we have a great group of people that are, have a singular focus. They want to make the Raiders great, and we dial in and just focus on that.
2: Coach, I'll go to you. How important is it to find players who are coachable?
3: It's extremely important because, um, as Dave talked about, you know, to sustain a roster and have success over the long haul, not only do you need to draft the right guys, but you need to be able to develop them. And so, you know, there's very few players that are ready to play in the National Football League the day they're drafted, you know. And so their ability to learn, their ability to think, their ability to improve, uh, listen, uh, all of those are critical factors for us, uh, for, for them to make progress on the grass. If, they're, if they can't do those things, it's hard to see them, you know, improving and then ultimately competing to... Uh, contribute, So um, I think we, we did a pretty good job this year. Our group uh, of, of young men that we brought in this year has really done a nice job of putting, um, you know, all those other distractions away and focusing on what they can do to be better football players to help us this year.
2: Dave, I think it's important the fans want to know your pre-draft grades and how you do that and go about that with your staff as you build your board
0: yeah well it's a it's a process like that i mentioned it's, it starts in the fall mm-hmm. and and that that that's the group of area scouts that are out there traveling all year um from august to november kind of setting the table for us and giving an, uh, us an initial assessment of where they think the player is going to fall on the board and then as we start to get together um prior to the draft like i mentioned on the on, on the video there you know we have a core group of people that we get together and the month of April, after we've we have all the, the information from the Combine, we have all the information from the All-Star Games, from the Pro Days, um, you know, we just basically we sit down in a room, and as I said there, Monday through Saturday, um, long you 12-, know, 13-hour days, we just grind it out and uh, have a lot of open discussion, have a lot of debate, um, and, and try to come to a consensus on each individual player and get them positioned on the board in the, in the, in the right spot and then go from there.
2: Coach, I talked to Rob Ryan about your start on defense and your history on the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that when you're looking at draft and be a part of this conversation with defensive players. What do you look for?
3: Yeah, it's probably one of the the most pivotal parts of my career uh, was being able to start on the defense with so many really good coaches. It took a lot of time um, to teach me uh, about this game, about this league, uh, from Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Rob Ryan, Pepper Johnson, um, Bill—you know—Belichick spent a lot of time in our room because he's a defensive-minded uh, guy. So uh, to be able to sit there and kind of soak all that in for three years and understand, you know, what's important on that side of the ball, you know, and uh, Dave and I share a very similar belief uh, in terms of how we want to play mm-hmm. um, and how we feel like you need to play to win and. Uh, I think that's made our our relationship so special and so easy to to do it the right way because we can have conversations that are tough uh, and get through those and get to a consensus on what we believe is right for the team.
2: Dave, you talked about building a defense inside and out. For defensive linemen specifically, what are you looking for on the line and especially in the interior?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of different characteristics that we do look for at the end of the day you you want to find a guy and there's there's individual roles too but you know a a guy that can be disruptive you know whatever phase that's in whether that's being a disruptive run defender um whether that's a a, you know disruptive pass rusher a guy that jumps off the tape that has some disruptive qualities to their game one of those two phases is something that uh you know is is attractive to us Uh, and, and along with again being a smart football player being being tough mentally being tough physically um, all those go, things go into being a
3: successful defensive lineman. You
2: got a superstar with Max Crosby. When you were getting ready for this yeah! pick, what were you thinking ahead of time?
3: Well, we had Tyree in the building, and, uh, you know, we'd, we'd all liked his tape, you know, before he had, had the injury, and uh, we just got comfortable with his personality, his, his passion for football. Um, look, we know who we have to sack, you know, six times a year. Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson. I mean, we're going to play those guys. You know, six out of 17 games. So um, you can never have enough pass rushers. You can never have enough disruptive defensive linemen, as Dave mentioned. and um, just felt like this is a guy that was explosive, um, you know, can create negative situations in a running game and can really get after the quarterback. So, um, you know, we were, we were thrilled when we had the opportunity to get him. And um, now having him on the field, uh, being able to get his first game action out of the way in Dallas, uh, and and now, you know, getting ready for a first game week. Uh, it'll be exciting to have him out there.
2: Dave, I want to talk about your patience and flexibility. What'd you learn this time around from the year before? Because we saw you move up for Michael, then you get a quarterback. What was that like in real time from day one to day two, and being patient but very flexible?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, each individual draft, you know, plays out a little different. It's almost like a, a football game, you know, and each game kind of plays out differently, whether it's you know, whether you have to, it's, it's a run dominated game or a pass dominated game or what have you. And I think as we saw the draft unfold, um, you know, we felt like, you know, it was a draft that we wanted to be aggressive and, and, and to go get some players. And as I mentioned there, you know, you have to have some patience to know when to be aggressive and when to make those moves. But as, as we mentioned, there was a lot of things that we did throughout the year last year to acquire picks. Um, which are all tough decisions, you know. Whether you're you're, you're trading a player, or, you know that's been with the organization, or what what have you. But you know those are tough decisions that we made to to acquire the draft capital to be flexible in the draft to go up and get some of the players that we wanted.
2: Coach, tell me something you learned about a member of this draft class that you didn't know before the process.
3: Um, I, you know, I I don't know if there's there's, there's a lot of things you learn honestly, um, you know. But I think you know. What we get to see now is how they respond to competition and adversity. You don't always see that as a coach because you can't be there in the fall when they're practicing. Uh, you can't see the the Michael Mayers of the world, the Trey Tuckers, the Jacorians you know, compete in practice and do those kind of things. And um, I thought our joint practices for our rookies, our young players, were really great experiences because the temperature gets turned up. Sure, you know it's not just a normal normal training camp practice. You know, there's another team on the other side that, you know, they're trying to impress their coaching staff and their personnel staff. And um, I just think I, I really liked the way our young players have kind of, you know, turned up to the competition and handled some of the adversities that they had to deal with during the course of those few days and um, really responded the right way to 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 grow and improve.
2: Dave, you can tell from the fans, a lot of the fans are excited about this draft class. What could the entire organization do to help them live up to their potential? Yeah,
0: just continue to grow and pour into them, um, both as football players and, and both as people. And We have a great coaching staff that, that can handle that on the coaching side. You know, We have a great player development staff um, that can pour into these guys um, as people and as professionals. You have to remember these are you know, 22, 23-year-old kids that are, you know, stepping into a whole new world where they're, you know, they're making a lot of money. There's a lot of new pressure. There's a lot of trans life transitions that they go through. Uh, they have to grow up and become an adult very quickly, and we have to foster that and we have to teach them, you know, how, how to handle those things and how to grow. And our player development department does a great job of that, and Josh and his coaching staff does a great job of educating them on becoming better football players.
2: Hope you enjoyed that and were able to follow along. With all that content there. And I thought it was great to see Josh McDaniels. Let me tell you this too. Afterwards, Coach McDaniels waited a half hour. And signed every autograph with Dave Ziegler. And were there for everybody. It was really cool that they were able to do that last night. And really interacted with the fans. So I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. And when you see it video wise. On the practice field. With the unbelievable camera angles. And the incredible video. I truly think you're going to enjoy it. It was a lot of fun last night. I'm so honored and proud to be a part of that. Also, what Josh Jacobs said in his press conference, which was more of a conference call. We're going to do a lot of different elements today, some live, some best of, because I'm out of here going to Palm Desert to golf with my friends. I'm going to be there for two days of golf and come back for my wedding anniversary with my wife on Monday, and then Tuesday, we start our in-depth team coverage with all of our partners on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m., Right here on the flagship of the silver and black.